Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Hue Virtual Chat. It is a lovely Tuesday in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and that's in Canada for any of our viewers viewing from abroad. And it is a balmy, I believe, minus three. And yesterday it hit plus five. We're Celsius. And boy, did everything melt. And let me tell you, when you live in Winnipeg, the heart of the continent where it is sub-zero all the time, having minus five feels like it is 80 degrees. I'm just kidding. But anyways... We are going to, oh, and the camera's just doing a little bit of adjusting. I do that all by remote too, folks. So um, I'm multi, multi-talented, multitask all the time. Anyways, let's open the doors to all of our lovely ladies. Uh, I have a question about something that we want to talk about. And there you are. Hey, you know, this is getting to be like old hat. It's almost like, you know, like when we get together, meet in Starbucks, you know, Charlotte, okay, we'll meet in Starbucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take that for granted. Amy says the other day, well, yeah, well, let's do the hot yoga. We can go. And I said, no, girl, there's no group classes. I can't be with you. It's like by myself. And she goes, no way. Yes, yes. But you know what? March 5th, come March 5th, this might all change. So every, everybody seems really quiet. So you can all unmute yourselves if you want. Is that what they're saying? March 5th? Yeah, yeah. Apparently that's kind of the the buzz or whatever that they're going to um, rethink or re or revisit everything. And, you know, all things considered what we're like, I don't know, four point something we've got down as low as 3.8 or whatever percent, whatever that means. But that's what we live by now, ladies. And uh, I know it's so there was interesting thing um, talking about and how I even try to avoid it now in conversations. So how are you doing? Yeah. And you kind of go, well, really good. Or, you know, or, or my husband would say, oh, yeah, I'm living the dream and ha ha ha. And, and you know what, it's almost like you don't know what to say, but there's an interesting, uh, I call it a word, I guess it's two words, you probably heard it, but uh, just saying like, no, I'm pandemic fine. And it's sort of oh. like, and they kind of gave a meaning to that and saying, well, yeah, you're healthy. You got a job. Um, your family's good and normally you, you know everything's great but you're still feeling kind of blah right and um, yeah well we're almost out of April, uh, out of uh, February sorry so Charlotte and Kristen then we're almost out of the February blues hey there's Linda hey. welcome hey hey Amy hi nice to see you I know hi. we're all yeah I don't know. So Charlotte, Kristen, are we out of it now? If we, you know, I'm just waiting for February 28th to come and then yes, March. I think normally we'd be saying it almost out of the February blues, but given COVID is the start of the second February, um, it's just changed that dynamic completely. I know. Um, I'm just, I'm thinking about your, your comment earlier about, you know, addressing your friends. Uh, we were uh, FaceTiming, um, 
one of my good friends and her husband the other night and she kept saying, I'm not allowed to talk COVID. My husband's elbowing me, no more COVID talk. And, and so then it was like COVID free, no talk. And then she'd go back to it. And it was very funny. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Oh, but yeah. And it's, you know, you just get kind of hard of trying to second guess and try to figure things out. And then you try to kind of just pivot and live your life. Right with all these new restrictions, but then sometimes you just want to throw it out the window and just <laughs> Linda, you go ahead because you've written some amazing things on, on your Instagram and ladies. Yes. I all encourage you uh, go to, I believe now we call it. I like you podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts and we have all of our episodes and it is a great way really uh, to listen to our conversations from, and it will be, a year. Like I will do this until March 12th. And then, (laughs) and then I might say, I can't do this now because I got to go to hot yoga or something, but um, like really, and an incredible way to draw like information to like all of you, because Amy's a peer support worker too, um, to really kind of get a really interesting perspective on how we all kind of changed, right? And our whole, all our feelings and, and Linda too, I mean, for your life coach things, it is so amazing how, if you asked us a year ago, we would say, I'm not listening to that. You know, like, you know, what does that mean kind of thing? So I really thank all of you for bringing, really, it's wisdom. You know, I, I learned something uh, again, over again, listen to something else. And I go, oh, I didn't know that. So whenever you're bored or whatever, <laughs> just awesome. subscribe because there's a new one every, you know, almost every day we've got new content up there and it's all, it's all thanks to you. So I'm going, yeah, we were talking about pandemic fine, Linda. About pandemic what? It's called pandemic fine. I'm pandemic fine. Meaning that kind of, you know, you, you've got your health, you've got a job. Your family's all good. Everybody's safe, but you're still feeling down. Yes. Like there's still. I mean, I was actually just on the, um, there's a conference that's going on right now. It's just a two hour uh, presentation with uh, women's. I'm going to get it wrong. I just discovered the the women's entrepreneurship knowledge hub. Um, They're associated with CEO and, um, uh, another organization, and they were talking about the effects of women in business, their entrepreneurship, and how it's affected COVID. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it like I remember you saying this, Tracy, there's been tremendous impacts, and especially on the BIPOC community. Um, you know, it's, it, it's affected um, Indigenous uh, women business owners uh, often do not have access to internet, high speed internet. Um, uh, you know, many women business owners are service-based and of course that was shut down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, there, there, there still is a lot of struggle right now for many people. Um, so I think the struggle is real. Like it, it's, yeah. you know, if you're feeling down right now and discouraged, um, that makes sense. <laughs> That's a normal response to a very difficult situation. So I think, um, I don't know that, for me, it has never worked 
ticking the boxes saying, I have my health, my kids are okay, you know, my house is here. That, I for other people, that really does work to go, okay, I'm fine. And they shift into that positive framework. Mm-hmm. But that, I don't know, that has never really worked for me because I think it, um, it doesn't allow us to experience the real fear that we're, we're going through, the real uncertainty, the disappointment. Um, you know, so many of us started businesses within the last, you know, few years and, you know, we were hit really hard. So the, um, I think it's pretty normal to feel disappointment and loss and frustration and, um, sitting with those and then you know they will shift and then you will feel gratitude again for you know all the things that we actually do have but I think it's okay to you know acknowledge that you know these feelings are real there there's some real some some real shit has gone down you know and and we can I mean a lie eh? (laughs) (laughs) well Amy too I mean you're you're commenting and this was a, a, a while ago about the percentage of women now that are unemployed that because of COVID and that, you know, we were kind of getting closer, right? With everything. And then now we've just fallen. And of all places, like in Europe, Italy is the worst, like mm-hmm. for women working. And you think that, wow, but it is so kind of archaic still. Um, you know, women only get like the lower paying jobs or the less educated jobs, um, very, very few at CEO or presidents. And even if you are an entrepreneur, you're kind of looked down upon, which is really terrible. And this whole thing, because you think of Italy, like this beautiful country, right, of, of wine and fashion and, and oh, my goodness, you know, that must be a great place but it isn't. And, and it's crazy. It's 21st century. And it is almost like impossible for women to succeed. Wow. Yeah. And I think the struggle is, is different. Like, like for us, we have a business, right? Like we're, it, it's COVID the sales and whatnot. And that's just one group of us. The group that I, I I'm serving is like the underpopulated, even like I have interviews coming up, um, uh, on Thursday and we're trying to employ people with mental health, addictions, disabilities. And one of the challenges is that they, they can work from home, but they don't have internet or they don't have a laptop. So what are those folks doing now? Like I'm ready to work. I want to make money. I'm okay with minimum wage, but I don't have internet or I'm sharing with my, uh, with the first floor people. So I have to bring my laptop downstairs if, or my phone or whatever that may be. Right. Yeah. And so it's like a different set of challenges, but, uh, (laughs) yesterday I came across an article where the government is investing $1.2 million to an organization called OFE. So opportunities for employment, Mm -hmm. and they're coming out with like a pilot program employing single moms. So they'll provide the income, they'll provide the training, and they'll provide childcare for, oh, no. yeah. yeah, and that hits home for me because I'm a single mom too. I'm like, this, this is beautiful. And throughout the p- a pandemic, we have recognized that a lot of the skill sets we need to polish up on those. It's no longer like computer skills. Some people don't have it. We don't, they don't know how to 
interview on zoom and it's like retraining. So I'm, I'm excited that we're, we're thinking that far in advance and providing the, the tools, the resources and the additional training, um, for women. Yeah. And okay. to add on to what you're saying about the, how are you? I agree. That's such a loaded question. Now I ask like, <laughs> how are you winning today? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's good. Or just, just hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's such I'm a difficult question. Like, where do you go from there? I'm like, I, I'm doing well. Like, I mean, I'm still wearing a mask and I have to socially distance and whatnot. Uh, yeah. It's a loaded question. So uh, I, I prefer asking something else now. <laughs> yeah, take it like I like, take it back to the basics. Did you shower today? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's a good thing if they got the mask on though. <laughs> hey, you know what? This, I, you know, I said I was just at this conference and I heard something that was very interesting. Sorry, my dog's barking outside. Um, very interesting. This woman, and I can't, her name was Wendy Kukier. Um, she was saying that she was taking a um, kind of a controversial opinion to say that for women in business or women uh, looking for work, that we keep hearing that they, you know, women should go towards STEM, you know, computers, everything's going online. This is like, you know, this is a real trend. Uh, we have to improve uh, computer literacy. But she was saying for women in business in particular, many women do not want exponential growth. Many just want to live and support their families and live a good life, but not, you know, they're not looking at crazy ambitious goals. They're looking to support their, their, their families. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that service-based industries like hair, um, you know, like uh, estheticians are actually for some people a better, more lucrative field than to push people towards STEM. And she's not saying that um, STEM is off the table. She's like 100%, I support it. But let's not forget that um, during the pandemic, uh, what did we want? We wanted our haircut. <laughs> like we wanted to go get our nails done. We wanted to go for coffee with friends, you know, and to really, um, her point was that we often look at entrepreneurship in a very male way that is all about, um, uh, you know, apps and digitization. And uh, she's, she was kind of turning that on its head and saying, let's look at entrepreneurship in a very uh, female way and the strengths that we can dominate in entrepreneurship and that, that speak to more women. I, what, what does everyone think of that? I, I just thought that was a very interesting point of view. Well, I, I totally, I totally agree with it. And I mean, look at Kirsten and Charlotte are a case in point, uh, peer support, right? Who are yeah. the best caregivers? Hey, okay. uh, who are the, yeah. who are the ones can multitask? Yeah. And you know, and who do the one, who are the ones that uh, guys look for support and, you know, some uh, come cuddling. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and then I'll take it one step further. It's, you know, it, it, it's exploring what works for the, the person that you're in front of. So I was just thinking that um, so often we're making assumptions of this is what they want. They want to go up, way up here. And, you know, maybe it's just, um, it looks totally different. So asking those questions before you assume 
Um, I was thinking my daughter took that microblading um, eyebrow course years ago and she was doing a fantastic job and she was getting a whole bunch of um, cancer survivor women and she was recreating their eyebrows and she was making incredible money for and she was averaging like two a week and that was giving her more than enough money to spend while she was in university and uh, she ended up giving it up which I thought was crazy but that was her choice because it was um, for a small amount of time it was really good money and then it worked with her schedule and uh, I think that's what Linda's kind of talking about too it's is finding something that you can work with your life your family your hours and then and then the income that you want to earn too so and you know this this uh, woman was talking of course about the invisible workload of women that you know it's one thing to say that you know you should have this amazing career or you know have a full-time job, but then there is there is all of the other childcare and and uh, uh, work at home that needs to be done that is still done primarily by women. No, that's true. So I'm asking you this then: um, are are you looking at how you're spending your time differently, or what is free time mm. or time for yourself? because <laughs> well yeah you know I, yeah. I, I think there's a I think we have to talk about balance in this conversation as well because um for so many uh females and especially as Charlotte said we uh sometimes we assume if somebody's uh opening a hair salon um and and that's their trade and 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 this is something they're stepping into that they want this to be enormous and they want to have multiple locations and they're ready to work, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. And, you know, often people are making choices, especially women uh, opening up businesses because they want to have uh, some control and kind of uh, create healthy balance in their life. Um, I, I think we totally, um, we don't give uh, a lot of trades, especially uh, with females um, enough enough credit uh, when it comes to being a business owner and creating a lifestyle, creating a brand, um, creating balance. Um, I, I, think, I think we totally cut them short. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter did the Aveda program and so she works at an upscale salon and she's very creative and she absolutely loves her job. And so I've had this conversation with her a few times about you know, uh, in a few years, you may want to open your own salon and you may want to do this, assuming that this is perhaps something that she wants to continue with as a career path, which is not not that she does hair, but like you could do so many things with this uh, when you're good. And she's like, no, actually, no, I'm kind of thinking um, I love working where I am. I'm looking forward to working part time and balancing the family uh, when we start a family. And maybe as they get older, I might consider something like that. But I'm not even thinking about that right now. So, um, yeah, you know, having conversations and, and, and looking at exactly what people are looking for and not making those assumptions that um, they're going full steam ahead and uh, kind of take over the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> because maybe they're just going to take over their world and in the way that works for them and, and give them the opportunity to live their best life and make all their dreams come true. And we're just, we're just assuming that it's... Uh, uh, you know, we're going from zero to 60 really fast. 
Oh, and you know what? That's right. You don't want to be doing and taking on the whole world so early in life. Like, you know, you want to enjoy it. That's true. Um, Amy, I want to go back to you when you're talking about like, you know, people not having the right internet or having any internet. And, and even on Zoom, I mean, some people don't have cameras on their computers and they don't have like the proper iPhone. And, and there's some, there's all these things that are coming into, into factor now. How is it like, how can we make it a, a even playing field? Because obviously these are going to be life skills and life tools that are going to be needed. And, you know, how do we kind of, you know, help each other, but also, you know, make sure that um, everybody is on the same playing field. And I don't know if that'll ever happen. And then Rana jumps in here and she could, she could probably add into this whole kind of um, no, that's a great question, Tracy. Like, what uh, is the- it, 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 it's definitely a challenge. And because of COVID, there's different things that we kind of need to think about. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it's uh, the education and the support, um, especially for the bigger organizations. Hey, mm-hmm. like, can HR take a look at like what's going on and the impact from it? Like, how can we create those job opportunities, even like employing people with mental health and addictions? It's not a write off. It's just being flexible. Right. And COVID has shown us that that we can work from home and it's increased productivity. So if someone with like a mental health challenge, per se, like they maybe they can be employed full time, but maybe you can work them in part time. And like a different position, right? Having like reasonable accommodations for people and not be like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're fired or you're terminated because you no longer can perform. And then an individual lives off of EIA, $600 a month, Manitoba housing, bed bugs, et cetera. Yeah. How, how are we creating um, economic opportunities for individuals? And that number is just going to skyrocket and skyrocket because I feel like we have a blanket approach. It's just a band-aid. Those are not real opportunities where people can flourish and bloom and really feel good about themselves. And this comes back to our basic needs as an individual, the housing, the safety, the food, our kids. Mm -hmm. And if we can't fulfill that basic need, then more and more people are just EIA. EIA, I can't find a job. My employer doesn't want me uh, work, working there. Ripple Ooh. effect. Oh, wow. Um, I can't see that. <laughs> I just I just added that, you know, uh, Amy was talking about individuals with mental health challenges and Kristen and I always add, and there's a whole bunch of families that are trying to work and support family members who are struggling with mental health challenges too. So employers um, need to take a look at it being a little bit more flexible mm-hmm. to those situations as well. Um, big part of what Kristen and I talk about <laughs> almost weekly. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in here. So I, again, and I, I always feel like I'm kind of a broken record. People need to know what their rights are. I mean, you can't terminate somebody without accommodating them if they have a mental health issue or if they have an addiction that's against the law you have human rights code you have various legislation that does not allow an employer to do that without cause so the first step is always um you know to make sure if you have a mental health issue if you have an addiction issue if you have any type of 
uh, scenario is to ask for accommodations. And that accommodation could be something along the lines of, hey, we're going to, you know, scale back on some of your work, we're going to, we're going to help you or um, encourage you to seek some kind of treatment, you're going to have to show us evidence of this treatment. But this is the proper thing to do. So all of these conversations, yes, like Amy's saying, you know, very difficult, but um, they're also very much if against the law, like, sorry, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, you can't just be, you can't terminate people like that at, at all. It, it's, it's a no, no. So what are your rights? You know, if you're in Manitoba and you're a provincially legislated um, employer, employee, uh, then you would go straight to the human rights act. You'd go straight to the local human rights legislation. You would contact your labor, you'd contact your union. Uh, you would go through all of those processes and you wouldn't just sit there and say, well, now I'm not employed. You have rights to make sure that you are defending your rights. And if we want to talk about HR, the biggest failure in our province and in our nation right now is the fact that we do not educate uh, employees on their rights as employees. Well, great point. Um, that's a great point. And like legit reasonable accommodation is part of the HR policy. And the thing is that we're so afraid and speak of the, the, the re retaliation. And that's why people don't move forward. Or even if you think about it in a retail setting, if you work your way up from like 16 or 18 year old to that manager position, you're, you're leading a retail store. How yeah. much manage, uh, management experience do you have or HR knowledge do you have? No, which is again, you know, like, and, and again, this is kind of like what I do in my practice, right? Like that, like I practice mainly in the area of employment and labor and human rights and, and First Nations labor and employment and human rights. So um, the, the thing is, is that again, uh, the buck has to stop somewhere. And it is the employer's responsibility to ensure for the sake of their employment for, the, for their team that everyone knows what their rights are, because the more you as an employer um, give your employees that knowledge of what your rights are, you know what, it's a kind of selfish because you're actually protecting yourself as well as an employer, right? Like, because uh, everyone knows what they're allowed to do. Everyone knows what they're, what the, you know, what's allowed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yes, it, in retail, I used to work retail for years. Like, frankly, it's kind of a very high turnover type of type type of industry for sure, especially like just in malls and stuff in these days, but um, that does not defeat or does not negate the responsibility, you know, and I think that perhaps uh, this is really a responsibility question. Like if you are an employer, what actions have you taken during COVID to make sure that your employees know what you need to be doing to protect them? Um, as, as an employee, you know, simply you guys know your rights know your rights, Google the Human Rights Act, Google the Labor Code. If you're a federally regulated employee, Google the Canadian Labor Code, like everything is out there. You have every access. And sorry, human rights, labor disputes, they're not costly. They're free to your employee. They're free to your employee. And uh, Amy, just to your conversation about um, retaliation, retaliation, again, is, is a recognized issue of a complaint. So if you felt that somebody was retaliate, retaliating against you in some way while you've had this complaint, that in itself is a complaint. So the protection mechanisms are in place. It's just a matter of knowledge. Who has that knowledge? Who is going to be the person who gives uh, employees and employers that knowledge to make sure that you know we are all following 
the law. Um, we also have constitutional rights. We all have, like, we have rights. We're not just sitting here kind of like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get fired. I'm so scared. Yeah, you might get fired, but you have to be able to have the, you know, the, 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 you know, the stamina really emotionally and mentally to go. And, and I know it's very hard to take your employee to some kind of a dispute, but you have to be able to do that because if you don't, you're going to get walked all over. Because employers are just trying to save themselves right now, right? Like they just want to save the last dollar. So uh, they're not really looking out for your employees' um, issues, well, you know? And I mean, and I don't I think want to. All great points, Raina. I just, I know for myself that uh, the expectation on women, especially, to take on um, those kind of challenges um, are you know, to be able to find the strength to deal with possible rejection, possible retaliation, um, not being liked, um, all of those things are very challenging for most women to overcome those hurdles, to take on those, you know, if you're challenges. So I think there, you know, it's wonderful that that knowledge is there like that they would know about their rights but you have to look at will you access that or will you just you know say i it's not worth it to me that i don't you know yeah. i don't know how i don't know how to cope with people not liking me i don't know how to cope with people's um anger towards me and and just back away i think so i i you know i think the more we can empower women to um you know, and for sure, start at a young age teaching young girls, you know, your whole mission in life is not to be liked, your whole mission in life is not to please everybody, you know, you you can, let, let's, let's get you started younger, you know, learning to, um, learning to, you know, even like I see with my, my kids, like, it's okay if your teacher is annoyed with you, you know, like you can manage that feeling, like you can manage that, that feeling inside, you know, so talking about those kind of things at a young age, I know Charlotte and Kirsten, I'm sure you would agree that, yeah, being able to um, give people those tools that they need to um, challenge authority. Yeah, you know, I, I love everything that uh, Rana uh, said, and, and you as well, Linda. And I am like, I am completely uh, on board. And in fact, when it came to my own family, that's how um, my family stories change provincial policy is because I, I, I challenged, I, I, I felt um, I challenged mission statements. I, I challenged our provincial government to provide a higher level of care, which is not accessible uh, and doesn't even exist. So um, I am with you. However, <laughs> the families, and on another point, uh, the families that Charlotte and I work with, um, by the time they get to a point where they're actually thinking about speaking to uh, HR or they're wanting to talk to an employer, it's amazing the stigma with mental health and addictions, how they are, they, they first of all, they lack the strength because of the years of battle fatigue and they just can't, they just can't move forward on that. But the stigma and the fear and the fear of outing themselves, the fear of uh, coworkers knowing, the fear of outing a child or a spouse, um, there's so many layers to it. 
And this is where I love the idea of, um, you know, uh, this is where I get goosebumps. So I peer support in the workplace, having someone you can go to that and say, Hey, I, this is what I'm experiencing. And, and uh, they have a lived experience and they can support you, support you in the role uh, from true uh, peer support, but also uh, as uh, somewhat uh, an advocate within the workplace and can be that voice uh, because everybody should be able to, to access um, you know, to know their rights, access services, uh, be able to stand on their own two feet and say, no, this is not okay. But sadly, it's unbelievable how many people we see that would rather lose a job than to take on that battle because they just don't have it in them. Yeah, absolutely. But just to speak to that, you know, and, and again, like I've just, just based on experience and the battles and, you know, it's, it's you know, kind of my day-to-day existence these days. Um, I think that the worst thing that a group can do right now is to have an, in- like, if it's not an in- independent of the employee, employer, peer group, you're going to find what we're finding in a lot of human rights cases right now, right? Um, you know, and I'll use, I can't, I probably shouldn't, because I got to make sure of what I say. Um, like, you'll have groups that have, like, certain, <clears throat> you know, um, certain, like, committees or, 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 uh, or groups available for help uh, if an employee is dealing with things. And um, it's an internal issue. It's, it's all internally structured, which means uh, I have a complaint. Um, I feel discriminated against because of X, Y, and whatever issue. I go to my internal process, which has <laughs> somebody there to hear me, somewhat like a peer support group internally. Um, And then what ends up happening when you get there is now you have like a group of people who don't want to kind of shake the thing. Right. So they'll just basically. So you have to make sure because the idea is perfect. But I would strongly advise that that not be an internal group. That needs to be an external independent group of the employer where somebody can go, because if it's internal, everyone's still following the same kind of process. There's it's so difficult for anything internal to be completely independent of the employer. It, I mean, we've seen it a million times. So, I mean, imagine having like a peer support group, um, you know, maybe for an industry um, and unions sometimes have that role in some ways where you can just call your union rep and say, hey, this is happening. But again, even that becomes problematic, right? So it's very complicated very complicated but the idea is brilliant right like imagine being able to call like even as a lawyer I mean we have we have certain mechanisms in place in case we need help Um, but at the same time I mean if you had that kind of group available to you but if it's independent of Hmm. you know if they just know the basic rights if they know okay this is how we can get you through this issue that's the best if it's internal you're going to end up in the same situation happens every day happens every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I, Rana, I'm just going to speak a little bit on, on that. Um, Cause Robin and I spent a lot of times working with corporations uh, implementing peer support into the workplace. And there's successful ways to do it where it can stay still say internally, like within the company, but it's really um, utilizing the values and you know, what peer support is and what it isn't. So for example, NAV Canada has an amazing um, peer support um, component, um, which is housed in NAV Canada, which has been going on for years and years and years. And it's really supporting the, um, the guys who are you know, working in NAV Canada um, and the women 
to, you know, the stresses around being in that industry and what that looks like. Um, we've done it multiple companies um, with the success of still keeping it under in in house. So how that looks a lot of times is it's not housed under HR. It's completely separate. Mm -hmm. um, there's a code of conduct being a peer support worker that you have to um, abide by. And that's set up not only with um, like we have and Amy can talk about in Kirsten too. There's a code of conduct that we have by being trained in peer support. And then incorporating that into the code of conduct around the industry or the corporation that you work within. Um, you gotta have buy-in from all areas of upper management um, for it to work successfully. So if you're getting any kind of sticky areas, it's not going to work. And it's that part where, you know, um, unless it's harm to yourself, harm to others, um, a peer worker can't disclose, you know, what is being said. Um, like I can't go and start saying, you know, what Kirsten just told me. Um, in peer support, we work with the individual to support them to come forward with the information. So it's not like we're tattling on them, but we are empowering them to start talking to their employer of what that looks like. Um, so there's lots of stuff like that that we work with for it to be successful in the companies. Um, and a lot of times when they say they're doing peer support in companies and it's not, that's where it gets a little murky so hence why robin and i are doing this training is because we want people to have the best experience being trained to be the best peer worker mm -hmm. um and there's a lot of uh people saying they're doing peer support that really aren't i mean amy you want to talk on that <laughs> on, on one way part <laughs> do you find it works for um sorry do you find it works for because, like, I mean, I think you kind of hit on the point, right? There's a difference between people who are calling themselves peer support workers versus actually trained and training people to be peer support workers. So that's probably where the, the deeply distinguishing factor would be, right? Just to know who you're bringing in for training um, and what kind of, you know, expertise and knowledge they're actually bringing to your organization, to your corporation, to make sure that it's actually effectively being implemented. But do you find that it works for... Um, for, for like, discrim like discrimination issues. Like I, I know people will just say, okay, well, I'm being bullied here and I'm being this here, because like, do you find it's uh, effective in, you know, those really deep systemic issues, like say in police or, uh, you know, in some of those organizations that are really, I mean, I don't wanna start calling out people, but struggling with internal issues, right? Like, would you would you guys think that that would be, because I think that those organizations need to take a look at it if that's the case, right? They need to get somebody in there <laughs> pretty fast <laughs> to start dealing with these issues, you know, yeah, to make- you know, like, You're just talking on like so many different areas. Um, Robin worked with some um, police organizations down in the United States for implementing um, peer workers to go on mental health calls. Um, as part of the team. So huge um, judgment or biases come out when you get a mental health call that, A, they're dangerous, blah, 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 like all these things. And when, um, and I, and Amy, I want you to talk on this too, is when you have a peer worker go in, it's just like a completely different conversation that you're going to have as opposed to a guy or a girl in uniform who has no lived experience. So, I mean, I love that one. I mean, I, I wish we had it here in, in, in Winnipeg as well. Um, the police here in Winnipeg have peer support for 
police officers and they have a really great um, program that they, they run. Um, and Robin and I have met with them before and just love what they're doing. So they're really supporting that. We were just saying to them, could you just take it one step further? And we would love some peer workers to go on mental health calls with you guys too. So we're still chatting about that. Um, Amy, do you want to talk a little bit more on that too? Um, well, I guess I, I think at the end of the day, it's really a, a people, people, human focus. That's peer support. And it's interesting because I've, I've been, I've been calling these lines that claim that they do peer support. And it's been really, really interesting how just like with training and without the training. And I have called this particular line and they're like, I'm like, oh, I, I want to take my life. And they're like, oh, how come? Like, what's wrong? What are you struggling with? That's sad to hear that you want to do that. Whereas the peer approach with like a trained approach, we would ask the question like, okay, um, do you want to take your life or do you want your circumstances to go away? And it opens up a conversation, a dialogue, whereas they sit back and they're like thinking, okay, yeah, I don't want to take my life. I, I want to make an extra $200 this month. I want to be able to buy bread so my kids can go to school with like a, a full belly. And they start thinking and they're like, okay, yeah, no, this is just a moment that I just need the support to get me through this, this chaos right now. And that's, th that's the huge difference between a trained peer support and a, a non-trained peer support. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Amy, are you doing some oh. undercover expose on, on, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> just, uh, like, no, no, it's not, it, I'm just coming, I guess I've been like liking a lot of like peer support stuff and it's popping on my feed with different hotlines. So I've been curious as one of our values of peer support. So, so I call, I, I try to make it short. So I'm not wasting anyone's time and services. I just want to, I, I want to know. I'm like, I, this is how I would approach a conversation. And this is how they would approach. I don't want a pity party right now. I don't need someone to like, Oh, poor baby. Like what's going on. And I think that's a really, that that's a big difference. I like hearing that because I actually had a conversation with my friend because same thing, a couple of Instagrams I follow that they're claiming, uh, claiming trained peer support workers. So I'm like, I actually asked a friend of mine, hey, would you please do me a favor and make a phone call? I'm dying to know because I didn't want to call. But I'm with you. It's like, it's like, you know, that it's not an intensive, proper uh, peer training. And um, also it's, there's there's a couple of levels to that because you're putting somebody in the position that um, they're qualified given that they have lived experience so they're qualified uh, regardless yeah. of um, uh, where they are on their journey um, what's triggering for them um, like without the skills and 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 the intensive training you're putting them in a position where not only are you putting them at risk you're putting the person who's reaching out to them at risk as well and uh, you're doing such a disservice to the entire industry um, so yeah, it kills me, Amy, and I have been looking at those two going, come on. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, we'll have a list at the end of this show. And, <laughs> and, and I you just know, wanted to, to say, oh, sorry. I say I that your dog sounds so big. Your dog has a big adult bark now for a little puppy. 
but go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, um, Tracy, but it's just in our hope is that like we want more peer workers, we just want them to have the proper training because you have huge burnout with untrained peer workers because they're they're all they're trying to fix and solve everybody and they're 24 seven answering their phones and, and, and then they burn out. And, uh, and then they're like, peer support doesn't work. Look what it just did to me. Like, you know, and, uh, and so that's another aspect that uh, we see huge turnover in, in peer orgs where the, the people just finally say, I can't do it. And, and they move on. Um, but with, with proper training and proper supports um, we offer Robin right now is doing a peer supervisor course that we run all the time for supervisors who supervise peers and uh, the aha moments that they have in that training they're like oh I didn't think of that oh I didn't think of that and you're just like what have you been thinking about <laughs> um, and and, and uh, so we're seeing some great change in that as well too so, so I want to ask you there's kind of like I'm not going to say an elephant in the room but I'm curious um, women in power how does that all get kind of muddled and um, and how do we like how do we become that we become, I don't know, uh, immune to or you don't see it anymore on how to t- treat people respectfully, you know, having rights, like Rana said, uh, creating a, you know, what we all want is a warm and, and wonderful working environment. And women, we're supposed to be so much more, I think, intuitive to all of these things, but yet we can become the worst at it. I don't know. Linda, maybe because you do a lot of life coach business stuff. I know you're kind of going, what's she talking about? Okay, so there is, yeah, there's a case right now going on. And yeah, I know. I I put that in. I put that over to Rana. I said, are you going to talk about that? Okay. Okay, you can talk about it. Okay, we've got yeah. like, you know, 10 minutes here, Rana, go. Like, I'm sure- no, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I, I only know very, very topical stuff about yeah. it. I definitely know there's harassment in, in the workplace and you see bullying and all these, um, all these issues that are arising. I think that um, <clears throat> there's so many different layers to this. There's so many different perspectives. We saw this happen with Stella's. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see this happening across, across the board. Um, and it, these are... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, but these are very positive. And if, in my opinion, I think that we should see these as very positive um, movements because you're having employees, um, you're, you're, they're, they're having the space and, and what they need to be able to come out and say, okay, what's happening in our organization is actually um, deeply tr- problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, because Stella's did it, um, Tiber will do it. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch more that would come up. I mean, I can almost guarantee it um, that we're, they're just having internal issues. Women of power part of it, you know, women, women in general, you know, uh, I don't think this is even to do with, <clears throat> you know, women in power. I think that, you know, um, for some reason, um, it's, it's, we always maybe hesitate a bit more before taking those steps you know, to, to call somebody, and I hate the word calling out, but you know what I mean, to, to, to draw it to the proper person's attention. Um, but these are really changes that will come from, from people really breaking down some of those initial 
you know, paths, right? Uh, look what happened with Stella's. All the stuff with Stella's kind of hit the fan. Um, and it's, you know, I would, I would always argue that it's because of Stella's, that whole issue is why employees at Tiber felt the confidence to be able to do that because they probably recognize that they would have the public support. They may not have all the other support they need, but in the court of public opinion, they're not going to be getting dragged through the mud as much as they may have would have as an individual taken on a big corporation. So, um, but you got to remember that there is some, you know, uh, there's, there, there's some teams within those organizations, right? It's not just a one person saying one thing they've created um, kind of some, some employee teams within each employee uh, industry where they're all kind of coming out together, which is just going back to what you said, like they are finding their support. They are finding people to stand by them. They are really taking those steps. So, um, you know, maybe that is what we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, uh, people to kind of stand by us when we're going through these really difficult times, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, say what needs to be said and hold people accountable. Um, but at the end of the law, you know, I still always have my law brain, which is like, you know, when things are illegal, um, it's hard. It will definitely be hard. Uh, that's why most of us hate civil litigation, because these are really difficult things to go through. They're very adversarial. Uh, you know, it's a really a lose-lose situation, you know. Um, but um, there's always other, other um, you know, avenues. You know, people can always go through you know, some kind of mediation or have people sitting at tables and really fighting out what actually happened. And sometimes those are always way more effective. And that's kind of why I like tribunals. I like the human rights component of it. I like labor because there is an opportunity for you to tell your story uh, and to tell it without being judged in that kind of like, well, no, you took this as this or whatever you would find in in court. Right. So, right. yeah. So it's super interesting. Very, very layered. I don't think we can have a you know, a five minute discussion about what's happening there. Um, but I think, you know, like kind of power to them and, you know, stand up and do what you got to do is all I, I can say. I, it dawned on me like a couple of seconds in. I'm like, oh, I know now <laughs> I know what yeah. you're referring to. Uh, I got, oh, right. Um, and Raina, I love what you said about the accountability, because to me, that's I, one thing is past year, especially, I think, We've heard the phrase cancel culture and call out culture, but I've heard people say this, let's re rephrase that. This is an accountability culture. People are not getting away with what they used to. They're not getting away with sexual harassment anymore. Me too, you know, came up for that. Uh, things in the workplace are starting to come out. It's, it's, it's really a, a very powerful thing. And I think that speaks to what Charlotte and Kirsten are, and Amy are talking about. The peer support is, and what you were saying, Raina, is there is power in group support. You know, think back to when you were, you know, a little kid, you know, and you're like, okay, let's go tell, you know, like <laughs> you'd link <laughs> arms with your buddy and you'd go, yeah, let's go tell. And, uh, but that's powerful at this point to be, to hold people accountable, whether it is uh, women in power or men in power, you know, it's, it's a very positive, positive movement. Yeah. And I was just going to add that, you know, as a business owner, um, Robin and I are always going back to like when we got together um, to form our company, we did an exercise around values and what was important to us. And everything that we do always goes back to those initial va values that we created. And as you grow bigger, that's when you don't want to forget 
those values that started your company and what was important to you. And, uh, and I think that's often what happens is you, you get to that point where um, you're just not there anymore and you yeah. need to do a recheck. Like you really do. So. No, that's so true. And that's like, we can even take our lives and point, right? You know, you were, had your best friends in, in high school and you're going to be friends forever. And some of you probably stu- still have your friends, but certainly not that same relationship because your lives change, you grow. And I mean, in same in business, you get busier, you multiply your pivoting and there's a lot of stress and all these changes too. And you forget, but you're right. That's not an excuse. Accountability. Remember, we turn back to the people that made you who you are, like all of you lovely ladies here. And next week, um, you guys all have to come back because it's all about endless roses. She's got a new kiosk at the outlet mall. (laughs) Ron is going, oh, (laughs) endless roses. Yes. Yeah. So we can all, you know, maybe send ourselves some roses that won't wilt or die, you know, in a week. Okay. Anyways, have a wonderful Tuesday. And uh, thank you so much for this great conversation i am going to re-listen again and and take in all of this but i do love that accountability culture yes and uh know my rights good god yes okay that'll that'll be a good yeah <laughs> that'll be a long read on the internet thank you rana okay, bye guys. Hire you okay bye bye thanks for listening This has been a production of ilikehugh.com, podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.